Hey guys, welcome to a Light in the Darkness podcast. I'm Carly Robison. I'm a wife, a mother, and a person who's been suffering with severe health challenges for over 10 years. Through that time, I've had successes and failures while trying to maintain a positive attitude. Now I want to share what I've learned with you, hoping to make your hard times a little easier. This podcast is to help those of us facing times of darkness and trial find ways to let the light in. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I have Heather Doney on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, Heather. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to do this. I'm excited to talk to you. So a little bit of background just kind of of Heather and I. Um, we knew each other in high school, but honestly, our, our school is huge. <laughs> and we really didn't get to know each other very well then. And as I've gotten to know you over the past couple of years on social media, I really feel like that was unfortunate that we didn't get to be friends then because I just think you're so fun and you're hilarious and you are just so happy and you're honestly one of the happiest people I've ever met and I love it. <laughs> so these friends, these mutual friends, but we never really, I know. And I knew you were. High school's weird. Yeah. <laughs> so let me just tell them a little bit about you. So Heather was raised in Riverton, Utah. She is the fourth of eight kids. She graduated from Bingham High School and married her high school sweetheart, Dan Doney, in March 2000. They just recently celebrated their 20th wedding anniversary. Way to go. <laughs> it's a long time. <laughs> they have four pretty cool kids, ages 17, 15, 13, and 11. Heather loves to entertain, to make new friends, and to make people laugh. She's loved to dance since she was little, and she's learned to enjoy working out. In 2011, Heather decided to combine the last two things, and she became a certified Zumba instructor. She taught for almost seven years, but she had to quit because she was experiencing a lot of health challenges. They led her in many different directions, trying to figure out what was causing them. She's continued to try to stay active and recently fulfilled a dream of having a viral video of her teaching Zumba in her backyard to all of her neighbors while they were were socially distancing during quarantine. It's been viewed over 30 million times and it's been featured on Good Morning America, PBS News, local news stations, and it even caught the attention of celebrities like Khloe Kardashian and Demi Lovato and the Kelly Clarkson show. So we're definitely going to talk more about that in a bit. <laughs> but Heather hopes to inspire others to not give up when the challenges seem unbearable, all while laughing along the way. So again, just welcome to our podcast. And I can't wait to let these guys kind of hear your story. Thank you. So <laughs> when we first reconnected on social media, I think that's kind of when you were starting to... Um, really try to figure out what was going on with your health. So do you want to just kind of tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, I think it was around 2013. I started experiencing just really weird health problems. I'm, I'm pretty in tune to my body, um, especially after working out for years. I've just always been in tune to how I'm feeling and this doesn't seem right. And I always want to figure out what it is. I don't want to just like keep letting it go on and on because I am mm -hmm. a little I, I don't know I guess I've always been scared of like 
could it be cancer? You know, so I just started on this path. So my first symptoms, I think, were numbness and tingling throughout my body. My tongue would go numb. I'd have different appendages that would just go numb. I, uh, my pinkies go numb a lot. Toes, um, weird, and then just really bad circulation in my hands and feet. So I know those were my first symptoms. And I have a cousin who's my same age, which I think you know, Michelle Skousen. I don't know if you... I remember her, yeah. <laughs> Big school. <laughs> yeah. So she was diagnosed with MS. And so that scared me. So I thought, oh my gosh, I have a cousin mm-hmm. my same age. She has this. So I called her and then um, she kind of told me some of the symptoms. She's like, just go get an MRI and get it checked out. So I did and they didn't see anything. That was just the start of every test from there on out that would come back as normal and they don't know what's wrong with you. So I've had MRIs and CT scans and then I started getting this inflammation in my throat and esophagus. I felt like I had food caught here Mm -hmm. constantly and I still have it, but I've just gotten used to it. So that's been about four years of this. So I went and got checked for thyroid cancer. I've had three scopes. I almost had a surgery called Nissen where they take your stomach and wrap it around your esophagus to cinch it so that you can't have, they were, they thought I had acid reflux. Um. So they were going to try and stop that. And so it keeps the acid from going up, but like it, it just sounded like not good. (laughs) And I scheduled and everything. And then I went and got a second opinion and they did some more testing on me. And they're like, you don't have acid reflux. Mm-hmm. So I canceled that, which was really, yeah. So that, that was, it was just doctor after doctor after doctor and nobody could give me an answer. And I was so, so frustrated at that point. I can imagine. Yeah. So I, it was uh, kind of the end of, of uh, just 2017. Um, my allergist noticed that my legs were kind of swollen and I was like, oh, I thought that was always normal. <laughs> He's like, no. <laughs> push into your leg. It shouldn't indent. <laughs> Stay that way. Like, so he sent me to a cardiologist who did, they did an echocardiogram, found a small hole in my heart, which he says is like common in one in four people. Yeah. Oh, wow. So he, and so they did some more testing, realized it wasn't really doing any damage, so it should be fine. But he said, I want to do a, a little bit more testing on you. So he tested me for rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis Oh, okay. And then um, they tested me for Epstein-Barr virus, which I had in high school. So I already knew I had that. Once you have that, you always have it. And it kind of uh, activates and goes dormant and things like that. So that came back as having Epstein-Barr virus, but it didn't show that it was active. So that wasn't a surprise. But then he told me he had tested me for Lyme disease, which that kind of shocked me because I was like, doesn't that have to do with ticks or something? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, so... But I guess this cardiologist's wife has Lyme disease, so he knew symptoms. Oh. <laughs> That's so lucky. I know. And um, and right. I mean, I'm sad for her, of course. Right. But, right. but the cha- the chances of me getting with this cardiologist, you know, who kind of yes. knew kind of the symptoms, and and actually, right before all that happened, I had gotten so frustrated and desperate that I just prayed and prayed and prayed, and I just said, Heavenly Father, at this point, I don't care what it is. I just want to know what it is. Like mm-hmm. I deal with it but I just, I can't keep going in circles. This has been five years of searching for answers. Wow. That's a long time. <laughs> oh, finally, this cardiologist has happened to had run to, a test. And he called me on a Friday night. Like I was going to a girl's night and he called me and he said that he tested me for Lyme disease, which I didn't even know he, that was one of the tests he was running. He just mm-hmm. told me blood work. So he said, you're positive for Lyme disease. And I just had this weight 
like lifted off me. Like I just had this relief of like, oh my gosh, they found something finally. Yeah. And then he kind of told me a little more about it. And then of course that night. You Googled it. Right. (laughs) Morning. And then I'm like freaking out because I'm realizing what I'm dealing with. Yeah. Other people's experiences with it. And I thought, this is really what I'm dealing with. Like, this is so absurd because I don't ever remember having a tick bite. I don't, you know, they say it's not even in Utah that Lyme disease isn't in exist in Utah. A lot of doctors mm-hmm. think that and it's just back East and I don't live back East. I don't love to hike and camp. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't find me in the mountains a whole lot. Yeah. So, but just the research that I've done, you know, you hear a lot of, I'm hearing things of, of people uh, thinking that it can be studies showing that it can be carried not by just ticks, but by other insects like mosquitoes and things like that. So I honestly have no idea how I got it, but. Yeah. Um, that makes sense though. I, I think you and I had talked before. So I have a sister-in-law that has Lyme disease and she's, she's older than us. And I think she's probably had it around the same amount of time that you have, maybe even longer. And Um, I can imagine how frustrating that is because not a lot of doctors in Utah, first of all, even like you said, believe that it is in Utah, but then the ones that do believe that it's in Utah, I just think they don't, they just don't know very much about Lyme disease in general. Exactly. And I've decided it's, this disease is called the three C's. It's complicated, it's confusing, and it's controversial. So that's what I've Which is crazy. It's four C's. (laughs) (laughs) Why would a disease be controversial? Come on. (laughs) Definitely what I've learned. I, I, it's just been quite a journey. Like these last two, two years since being two and a half years since being diagnosed to where I'm at now. I, I, it's just a whirlwind. I just, I've tried. So what, Sorry. What types of things did you do to try? So is it something that can be cured? What kinds of things have you had to do? As of right now, there's not really a cure. There's different types of treatments that doctors do. So typically with a tick, um, they say that you get a bullseye rash where the tick bites you and releases the bacteria into your, into your bloodstream. So you get like this bullseye rash where it's really red and it goes white and then red. So it looks like bullseye. Mm-hmm. I never remember having one of those. And actually the more I studied about it, they said that only about 30% of people diagnosed with Lyme disease ever remember being bit by a tick or having that bullseye rash. So mm-hmm. I can't even really say that typically you have a bullseye rash because yeah. many people don't. Um, the CDC, they will only classify it as a positive test if you have five Lyme antibodies in your test. So I actually only had two, and but I had all the symptoms. So the doctor, the cardiologist, he's one of the doctors that believes it's in Utah, obviously. And if, if his wife has it, I think. <laughs> so a, lot, a lot of studying on it. Yeah. So he sent me, he referred me to a naturopath doctor in Provo. And she deals with a lot of Lyme patients. Now, obviously naturopaths, they're not, um, they don't use insurance. So, you know, they yes, don't. it's expensive. Yeah. So this is where the financial part of it started. Yeah. And so I started seeing her and actually there was a doc, actually there was a two month wait for her. So I had a friend who also had gotten diagnosed as well. 
Mm-hmm. She was working for an office across the street from the naturopath I was going to. And she actually got me into that office first. And they did these, something called UBI treatments. And it's, and I got to try to remember the name of it. It stands for ultraviolet blood uh, irradiation. I think that's how you say it. So they actually hook you up to a machine and it cycles your blood through this machine and cleans your blood. So like a natural antibiotic, basically. Okay. So I did several of those treatments and while I was kind of waiting to get in to see this other doctor. Now, looking back, I probably would have just, knowing what I know now, I probably would have just stayed at that, at that clinic and just continued what they were doing. Mm-hmm. If this other doctor, you know, everyone's telling me she's like, you know, Lyme literate, like she's the best, one of the best. So I went to her and um, actually the funny thing is, is I had been to her a few years before for a different reason. Oh, wow. I ended up back there, but she started me on antibiotics actually. So I was on antibiotics for a few months, but she also had me taking a bunch of different supplements. And she did some IV treatments too. And honestly, I don't remember what, which ones she gave, what, what IV treatments I did. Yeah. <laughs> kind of in the meantime, and we're, I'm just going to touch on this a little bit because I think we'll do this down the road with my daughter, Lindsay, but I actually had all four of my kids tested for Lyme because I heard that you could transfer it to your kids if you had it when you were pregnant. Oh, wow. So I, she had similar symptoms to me. So I had all of my kids tested and actually all of them tested for Lyme antibodies. Oh, wow. Just two like me, but Zane tested for four Lyme antibodies. I think Gavin was two and Brooklyn was three and my husband was zero. So so it all came from you. (laughs) You'll have the other side that they say there's no way you can transfer it. So it's just really hard to know what to believe and what to understand. Yeah. I mean, obviously (laughs) it it would make sense that it's transferred. The the odds of all of you getting bit by a tick. When you don't go camping. Yeah. Yeah. I have a haven't really showed symptoms. Um, mm-hmm. he has. So yeah, we've had our own little journey with her, but it was kind yeah. of simultaneously with mine. And so that was so hard because I'm trying to take care of myself, but then I'm trying to take care of her and hers got way worse than mine. So I just had to put mine at the back burner for a little while. Yeah. And financially it was killing us. Yeah. Both of us. But uh, I, I do feel like whatever I, I did, whether it was the, the UBI treatments at the one clinic in conjunction with what the other doctor was doing with the supplements and the antibiotic, oral antibiotics, something helped because I, I feel like a lot of my symptoms are gone. I still have several, mm-hmm. but I'm able to manage them now. So... That's wonderful. I can't even imagine. (laughs) Um, We will definitely, I would love to interview your daughter on the podcast. So we'll get her on and she um, can share because like you said, she, her story is hers and there is so much that we can talk about. So we'll definitely um, do that down the road. Um, I want to, can I just quote you a little bit on something that you wrote on Facebook? And I think this will kind of help us to transition Um, into something else. You said, I think the biggest thing I've learned from this is that you never know what someone's going through. They seem fine on the outside, but on the inside, maybe every bone may be hurting. They may have neck and back pain. Their tongue may be numb. Their ears may feel like bugs are crawling inside them with the sounds of wind rushing through. 
their esophagus may be tight and feel like they're having a heart attack several, several times a day. They might have numbness and tingling throughout their body, memory loss, big toe is numb, lack of energy, lightheaded with exertion, not to mention the emotional things people feel each day. Just remember, we are all fighting some kind of battle and try not to judge. That's what I'm learning through this. I thought that was so profound. And I think when you deal with uh, uh, any type of illness, honestly, but then when you have a chronic illness, one that you know is likely going to be with you for the rest of your life, I think that it's definitely easy to get sucked down into the heaviness of it. And also... I think you are given this opportunity to see life in a completely different way. First, I feel like we should talk a little bit about the heaviness of it. Because like I said, you are one of the happiest people I know. And that's saying a lot because I know a lot of happy people. <laughs> but you really just exude happiness and I love it. And this has been very, very difficult for you. And you got to a point that that happiness was a little bit harder to find. Can we talk about that for a minute? Sure. I think it's interesting because the week I got found a diagnosis, it was in a, it was in January, which, you know, those winter blues are not very fun anyways. Yeah. Um, being in the winter, especially here in Utah. Um, but it's interesting. The mind is really powerful and I've learned that a lot. Uh, so I got diagnosed and I, uh, actually posted a video on Facebook. I'm a very open person. So people knew I was going through a lot of health things. And I, I like, I like, I like to get people's suggestions and people's advice and, and I like, and then in turn do the same for other people. So exactly. I like to be open about it. So we can all share stories yeah. and help each other. So I posted a, like a 10 minute video on Facebook one night. I had been about three days after I got diagnosed and just kind of like told everybody what I'd found out and and just the outpouring of love from everybody was so amazing. But then the mind, like I said, I studied and I researched online like crazy and it consumed me, which in turn, I feel like it, my symptoms just skyrocketed. I, everything just plummeted. I, I felt like I was in a fishbowl people talk about being in the fishbowl where everything seems not quite clear and I remember sitting at work I was working I was a, a secretary at a, a medical doctor a chiropractor office and I just remember sitting there thinking I just feel like I'm in this really weird cloud nothing seems real and it just sent me into this depression and I'm I'm one that doesn't get depressed very easily doesn't have a lot of anxiety but I definitely went into that uh, shortly after and 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 I, I know a lot of it is because of the mind, you know, I was, yeah. about, I was, it's such a hard concept because mental health is for sure. Right. So real yeah. and chemical and there are studies about all of that. And so it's such a fine line because I agree with you that um, there can be definitely some things, you know, going on chemical imbalances and things like that, but they have actually done studies that say if you focus on the hard things, you actually, your symptoms are a lot worse. And if you focus on the positive things or the good things that are happening around you, even if it's just one thing a day, 
Um, they've actually done studies that say that your symptoms start to get better. Does that mean that you're going to be cured of Lyme because you're thinking happy thoughts? No, <laughs> you know, it's not going to do that. And for sure, mental health things aren't going to do that. But it is such an interesting phenomenon that you can think happy thoughts and start to feel better. So true. And that's exactly what I feel has happened. Because even though I have symptoms, I'm choosing not to focus on them anymore. And um, so yeah, so that's been about two years. Of, and I really feel like that first year, I was just in the darkest place. I even look back at those pictures during that time. It was the year I turned 40. And I was so excited to be 40. And to just, I know that sounds weird, but I've always- you, No, you love parties. <laughs> you love people- Paying attention to you. <laughs> Not everyone to know, no. <laughs> I love party. I love birthdays. I love embracing each year as it comes. Yeah. And I've been telling my husband for years, like, so when you do my surprise 40th birthday party, I want this. <laughs> so but I look back to that that day and that time of my birthday even. And I can just see it in my face. I can tell. I'm depressed. I can tell I wasn't happy. I was so distraught about thinking what my future was. And I was teaching Zumba and dance fitness classes for like seven years. So it was kind of, as soon as I got that diagnosis, I stopped teaching because it was so hard on my heart, the cardio, yeah. I get my heart rate up. I'd, I'd start to feel like I was going to pass out. So, so the couple months leading up to that diagnosis, I, I would have to just modify everything or have someone to take over the class. And it was it was devastating for me. I love to teach and I love to dance and I love to entertain. And <laughs> so to feel like that was taken away from me. And I, and I, I kind of feel like I let it be taken away from me. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I let my, I let my mind and and like, like what we talked about, I let all of that. I kind of succumbed to the disease. It's interesting that you're talking about this aspect because that's one of the things that I've written down in my notes that I've kind of noticed. And I think that it's something that I can relate to. So if I can relate to it, I feel like a lot of people going through trials, but even moms, <laughs> you know, as our kids, my, my oldest is almost 21 years old. My youngest is almost 14. And so I'm in a different phase of life. And, um, I think that as a mom or when you're struggling with, with anything, I think a lot of times you end up letting go of things that kind of make you, you. Yes. And I regret it. And that was something that I wanted to talk to you about to see if, if that's kind of how you're feeling this, this new thing in your life has kind of rekindled this love. So first of all, before we go back to that, I wanted to talk to about, so you did start an Instagram page before you even did the Zumba video and it's called happy habits with Heather D. And so I feel like that's kind of in your story when you really started realizing, do you know what? I'm not myself anymore and I need to figure out yeah. how to get me back and you are a happy person. And so let's get some yes. happy habits going. What are things that will help you to stay in this happy, positive state of mind to help your health? Yeah, it's funny because my, my Instagram and Facebook pages used to be healthy habits with Heather. And as I've gone through this trial, I learned like, yeah, those are healthy and that's great, but I want to be happy. Yeah. So that I changed it to happy. And, um, and so this journey just helped me to find that again. And so some of those things are, um, 
obviously working out for me. I, and a lot of people don't love to work out, but for me, it's, it's an escape. It's the endorphins that are released for me. A lot of people don't work out like you. <laughs> if everybody worked out like you do, I think everybody needs to check out your Zumba classes on there because I can see, I can see why exercise makes you happy because the way you exercise is exuding happiness. <laughs> I, I try to start my day off with exercising. I drink a lot of water. Um, I, as far as, as far as eating goes, I, I'm a, I'm a sugar lover. I love candy so much and I have a nightstand drawer that's full of it, but I try to keep it in the nightstand drawer as much as possible. But, um, <laughs> but if I can eat healthy all the rest of the day and then let myself have a treat, you know, uh, yeah. uh so just incorporating, you know, the, the, a lot of protein, things like that. So food wise, I've had to kind of watch to help with the inflammation. And that's mainly, I, yes. I, I tried to, to back up on the sugar and eat, eat better. And I just feel better. My stomach feels better. I don't like that groggy bloated feeling. So mm -hmm. decent, that makes me feel better, which makes you feel Makes you happier. <laughs> so uh, I've started implementing more meditation and um, positive affirmations, daily affirmations. Sometimes I just do it on my way to work in the car. I will just turn on music, instrumental music, and I'll just talk to myself, you know. Um, in those days, I don't want to be going to work. And I just I'm like, yeah. no, you are so, you're so grateful you have a job, right? You have a job. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be, it's going to be good. Uh, and listening to good podcasts. This is not one, but I listen. <laughs> and um, and then a lot of prayer and scripture study. Obviously, have really it puts my mind in a safe space where I feel like the spirit can talk to me more and guide me more to what I should be doing for myself and for my family. So. Those are, I mean, that's honestly, that's kind of like my daily routine is all of those. Perfect. So, yeah, I think it's so interesting because, you know, I haven't, I just barely started this podcast. And so I haven't done a lot of interviews and I've tried really hard to get a lot of different types of trials so that people listening can hopefully relate with one or more of them. Right. But the interesting thing to me that I'm already finding is that everybody's like strategies are really, really similar. So I love that the thought that no matter what you're going through, that focusing on the positive, that exercising and, you know, daily affirmations or um, talking about things that you're grateful for, all of those types of things, prayer, staying close to your heavenly father. Those are all things that have helped every single one of my guests through their hard times. So thank you for sharing that. So with your happy habits, you had kind of a fun thing happen for you. It's honestly a bucket list thing that you've had. You never probably thought it would be this way, but <laughs> let's talk about your viral video for a minute. <laughs> So I've actually made videos for years and I know you've seen some of those. I, I love They're awesome. <laughs> I love with the family. We all made videos growing up. My dad has owns his own video company. And so we always had a video camera around. We always were making murder mysteries or Barbie videos or Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> Lip syncs. Those are my yeah. favorite. <laughs> I 
doing that. And so now with my family, we, I've continued it and I've learned how to edit videos. So I don't have to ask my dad. And um, I just love making videos, editing them. And none of them have ever gone viral. I've always wanted them to. It's been again, set a bucket list thing. I've always wanted to have a viral video. And, and so right before, right as quarantine was starting here in Utah, it was mid-March and we were just starting to shut down and getting, you know, kids were out of school a couple of days. Uh, husband was working from home now. I was not working at all. And so we were starting to see videos from Italy surfacing of the Italians standing in their balconies singing to each other. Yes, that was amazing. <laughs> so my next door neighbor, she messaged me one day and said, hey, Heather, um, it's time to dust off your old Zumba routines. And let's do Zumba <laughs> in the backyard with like from their balconies, but we'll do Zumba from our yards. I was like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. Let's do it. And I just kind of planned it out, texted all of our neighbors. And we have a unique situation with our neighborhood. We have a bunch of backyards that meet up and a lot of us don't have fences yet. First of all, we didn't get fences because they were expensive. And then we all became such good friends that we were like, let's just keep the backyards open for now. <laughs> so that's been kind of fun. We nicknamed ourselves the backyard again. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we, we have a great time. So it worked out great because we didn't have a lot of fences that we were able to see each other better. So mm -hmm. I stood on my neighbor's back porch because everyone could see me a little bit better on her porch. And I brought out a speaker and my megaphone that my husband regrets ever buying because <laughs> <laughs> not for this video, but just for other reasons when I lay yes. out the couch, yell at the kids to, you know, <laughs> but, um, bring me a diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a couple of houses that have balconies. So some of my friends are on their balconies, some were just in their backyards. We we invited friends that don't have a backyard right by us as well, who came from other homes. So they kind of stood in different areas around the backyard and just turned on the music. And I had uh, my husband, Dan, come out and just film us. And honestly, I thought this was going to go nowhere. Like all my other videos, I, I just thought <laughs> it would be fun. And so I edited it really quick. It was like the least amount of editing I've ever done on a video. I just kind of threw it on YouTube <laughs> and said, the Italians dance or sing in Italy, and but in America we dance and we're in quarantine. And I shared it on Facebook, and then my next door neighbor shared it on Twitter. And within a day, it exploded. Her mm -hmm. the video started trending on Twitter, and so agencies were reaching out to her wanting the video. So since it was my video, like we had since Dan had filmed it, technically he mm -hmm. owned the rights to it, which I found all this out. Like I learned Interesting. all this. Interesting. <laughs> so Careful who films your videos because they <laughs> they own it. So he, he um, or so so the video was trending on Twitter, and so she was telling everybody, "Well, Heather's the one that filmed, you know, her husband filmed it and edited it." So they were, she was giving me all the contact information, and I had I think six agencies fighting for it. Wow! <laughs> and uh, so I finally picked one, and then they they have clients that they work with, so. Uh, they threw it out there to other clients and there was one called now this news they mm -hmm. have, um, a Facebook page and an Instagram page. So they were one of the first ones that showed it like the next day. This is like two days after we did the video. And within the first day, I think it had like 2 million views. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just, and then people are messaging me and then people were sharing it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, I kind of thought this was just going to be kind of like a funny, fun thing, but like, no, it's in like inspire, it's inspiring people. And people are like yeah. from around the world telling me how much it's inspired them and how they're in quarantine. And they wish they had 
a backyard like that, or they wish they had me as a Zumba teacher or <laughs> that inspired them to now go and do it in their yard and with their neighbors. And it was crazy. So now that video, I think the last time I looked, it had over 15 million views, just that one. Mm -hmm. one. And then people just kept tagging me saying, hey, it showed up here. It showed up here. Oh, it was on Good Morning America. I didn't even know. So Good Morning America, <laughs> I bought it from the agency. And then the Kelly Clarkson show reached out to us and on their good news or good neighbor um, campaign that they're doing on the Kelly Clarkson mm -hmm. that. Um, I did an interview with PBS News. I've done an interview for USA Today. I woke up one morning <laughs> and on my little Amazon Echo show, I don't know if you know what those are. Uh -huh. There's this picture of me. It was trending. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Woman teaches Zumba in the backyard in Saratoga Square. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> in a couple days, Jay Shetty, um, who's a He's, he's a British motivational speaker. He actually lives here in LA now. If you guys don't follow him, you should follow him and listen to his podcast as well. But he is very inspirational. Um, but he posted my video. And then from there, Khloe Kardashian, who's friends with him, they shared it on their stories. And so people were messaging me saying, your video um, was Khloe Kardashian's story. So that was kind of fun thrown out there and yeah. since then I did an interview with Jay Shetty and he just posted that a couple weeks ago so that was really fun um yeah. and then Reader's Digest they just reached out recently and I did an interview just through email and they posted that so it it's been a really good distraction for this yeah I think for everybody I think that's because right when you posted it that's I think Utah kind of we called it locking down or whatever, you know, we quarantined a little bit earlier than other states did. And right when it started to go viral was when everybody was just at their home, not working, being nervous, sitting and being bored. And so it's so amazing to think that something that you did could bring really happiness to that many people to be able to kind of step outside of their own thoughts and maybe even thinking outside the box because it took us a while. I feel like at first everybody was like, okay, we're going to binge Netflix. And I baked all the things. I don't know if you baked all the things. We made bread and cookies and, you know, everybody's gained a little weight during <laughs> quarantine. And um, that's kind of where we all were before your video. And so I think that the video came and people are like, oh, I could totally still work out, you know, and we can just do it online. So I love it. So tell, um, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing um, on your Instagram page since all of this happened. So that all of this has just lit a fire in me and it made me realize how much I loved it and missed it teaching and inspiring others. Because I, like I said, I'd kind of just gone into this little shell these last couple of years and just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And I, it was, I think that was part of my depression too, was just thinking that I'll never be the yeah. same person again. I'll never be able to I want the old Heather back, you know? And now I feel like it's just, and a new Heather, but yeah. with a lot of the same, I've learned so much in the last two years. So that it's been, a, that's been a huge blessing and, and I can empathize with people more 
because I know I've been through a health, a health issue. Uh, so what I decided to do was, because uh, a lot of people reached out and they're like, I want to come to your, I want to do your class in your backyard. And I, I was like, well, might defeat the purpose of social distancing if I get a big in the, my backyard. There's only so many places to go. And so I thought about doing it in the church parking lot. We could spread out a little more. And then I was worried that that would, it would be viewed negatively um, if people drove mm -hmm. by and saw a group of people, even if we were 10 feet apart from each other. I didn't want to, I didn't want people recording it and posting it and making it into turning it into something negative. So I opted to just try it online. And I did my first live streamed workout class and it was just, I was so, so nervous. I hadn't taught for a couple of years, except for the one in the backyard, but that was like easy for me because it was just my friends and yeah. this like was intimidating to have a ton of people join. Did you? I, I don't, I, yeah. And then people that I don't, didn't know who had started following my page since the viral video, I had a lot of new followers. Mm -hmm. So that was intimidating. And as soon as I hit stop on that live video, I just broke down and bawled because oh. so good to be there again, to be, yeah. but to be in a different way and new people to inspire. And so I thought I'm going to keep doing this. So it kind of evolved over a course of a couple weeks of doing it like once or twice a week to now it's three times a week. I, and I'm still doing it and I don't have as many people joining in. I know the gyms have started to open back up and weather mm -hmm. got nicer because it was still March here in Utah when all that went down. And so the weather has just been like this, you know, <laughs> so I, I just continued to do it, but yeah, I've had few people say, please don't ever stop doing this. I just, so that even if it's one person, you know, yeah, it helps me. And it's, and it's helping others. So I'm, well, I'm excited. I'm excited to see kind of what happens next. And I think that's, that's where we are in the whole world right now. I think that honestly, we all thought that all of this would be over by now, as far as the coronavirus and COVID-19. And we thought that we would be back to normal. Um, I think the whole world is kind of learning lessons that you and I have been able to learn through our health. And what an amazing opportunity um, for all of us to take a step back and to think about things from a different perspective. And just like how you and I both have regrets of when we first got sick and we let go of parts of us that we regretted letting go. Um, I think that this COVID-19 and being at home more is allowing all of us to kind of have a reset button and to focus on the things that are important to us. And if they're important to us, we need to figure out a way to do them. Um, just like with me being isolated, I really thrive off of people and I need people. And for the longest time, I was afraid of leaving my house, of having reactions and people were afraid of me. I'd run into people at the store and they would like back up because they didn't want to hurt me, which is so sweet. But this extroverted person that was needing people, it was really, really difficult for me. And the COVID-19 quarantine era has taught me, even though I've been dealing with this for over 10 years, that 
there are still ways that we can do things and we just have to get creative. And I love that you're creative and doing your Zumba in the ways that you can. And I can't wait to see what's next. (laughs) So thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Um, I think you've given us some really great things to think about. I think you've given us some great strategies to take with us if we're facing difficult times in our lives. Um, If anybody was inspired by your story or if they've seen your viral video and they were like, I've always wanted to get in contact with that lady. Now they can. So how how should they reach out to you? What's the best way? (laughs) So I've got a Facebook page called um, Happy Habits with Heather D. And then on Instagram, it's Heather's underscore happy underscore habits and I I do I just feel like I feel during those those rough times at times like I felt like I was dying you know and and you probably have to and there's other people you feel like you want to die because it's so it's you're in such a bad place it's hard yeah and mm-hmm. you know there's a song called live like you were dying and I love the the meaning of that song it's amazing but now that I have been in that position <laughs> where I felt like I was dying or I was, you know, just in the depths of despair, I decided to live like I was living. And I, that, that's kind of, that's my motto. I've, I've kind of coined that as my motto. And, and on my, on my pages, I always use that hashtag live like you were living because I've been the opposite and I don't, I don't like that one. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather be living my life to the fullest. As best. I love that. And it might, it might be different than you anticipated and imagined for yourself. But I, in my opinion, I think it, it can be better. Right. We just have to be creative. That's so right. thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. If you like this podcast, it would be really amazing if you could subscribe to it. And also, if you could leave a review for me wherever you're listening to the podcast, what that does is it helps more people be able to find it through the algorithms on the podcast site. So just give me a a like and a follow and leave a review and that would be amazing. So I hope all of you guys have a wonderfully happy week and we will see you here next Wednesday. Thanks. Bye. I want to give a special thanks to my son Carter for recording and writing our intro and outro music for this podcast. If you want to hear more of his music, you can find him on Instagram at carterguitar456. 